Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Geyer. And with me today, I have Dr. Neil Smoller. This is Dr. Neil's second time on the podcast as he is the owner of Woodstock Vitamins and Village Apothecary. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. Hey, Eric. What's going on, man? Not too much, but I know, uh, you know, I'm doing some COVID vaccines at my store. You're doing a lot more than I think anybody else in the world, it seems like, for <laughs> such a small place. No, there's a couple dudes out there. We're in a little competition trying to like one up each other. So, yeah, <laughs> there's gotcha. a bunch of folks doing big numbers. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted you on the podcast was because you put up some crazy COVID numbers in like a three day period, if I remember correctly. Yeah. How many vaccines and what was the time frame for you to give those out? So we got a cache of 3,200 doses from the state uh, last Friday. Yes, last Friday. And we ended up turning that into 3,526 shots, and we got rid of them in three days. Wow. So you did basically 1,200 shots a day, just shy of there. Yeah, 1,700, 1,200, and then 600. And that was the, that was that was it. <laughs> six hundred shots was your slow day. That's, oh my that's god! Impressive. Yeah, and like we can do six hundred shots in our sleep at this point, you know. So, <laughs> so how are you able to get and give out so many of vaccinations? All right. So get we got lucky. Um, so I think that New York had a glut of Moderna vaccine that was shipped to them due to the crazy weather that was happening. And as a result, they called around to all the different pharmacies because they have to get rid of this stuff, otherwise they're going to lose their allotment for the next week, right? And we got this phone call and it was, hey, you've been pre-booking about 3,200 doses every single Friday since this thing started. Could you actually use 3,200 doses? And I'm like, I could use that crap in three days. <laughs> like I can, I can move it. And she's got a good chuckle out of that. So as a result that night, we got allocated 3,200. So it was pure luck. I mean, the doses that I've get given, really just luck. I was up and ready to rock within 12 hours of the announcement that we're going to be doing uh, COVID shots with our own system, independent of the New York State Department of Health System. And because I was ready, I think that's why I got a majority of my first doses. We got about 1,200 in three weeks. And then it was just because I built this really great system to get the doses out that I had confidence that we could get rid of these 3,000 doses. Yeah. And I mean, God, just that many thousand doses from one independent pharmacy. Now I know you had a team, but that's still like impressive was just how you got so many of them and how you utilized it. Yeah. When, when you said they got a chuckle, what did they say to you when you're like, <laughs> I'm a one man job, one man pharmacy, and I can do this many thousand doses. <laughs> yeah. It was mostly just the chuckle. And so they had also called the County and confirmed that this particular pharmacy, this little pharmacy in little Woodstock, New York did have the capacity to do that. And the County had been vouching for me quite a bit. They, they've really been singing my praises and such so much so that they're they actually have invited me to utilize some of their big space they have a an old best buy thirty four thousand square feet and they wow. said if you ever get a big cash again you can just use our space and we'll reserve it for you and and that's just for me it's an honor you know to know that like yeah. we've been able to raise rise up for them and and be able to help solve the problem so much that they and they trust us that we're not going to goof it up you know so um but yeah i mean it's just it's a lot. I mean, if anybody knows me, they know that pharmacy has been downgraded to like my second priority, even though it is end up being my, my first um, uh, time constraint, I guess, or like 
time sponge. Uh, but my first priority is supplements and online education and all of that stuff. So w- I'm a real small pharmacy. I think we do less than a thousand a week, you know, uh, 3000 <laughs> prescriptions in a month. And so to get 3000 vaccines in a three day period, it's, it's quite a lot of volume. I think that really speaks to, like you said, you're in a small town and I don't think you have any major chain players there, but it just shows that, you know, the power that independent and even just any old pharmacy can have when it's utilized right effectively. And especially in the middle of the pandemic, we're trying to end this, you know, like you had that contact to really reach out not only to the state, but to your county, to your local government, and even to some of your restaurants, your healthcare workers in the area who could also help you vaccinate. Yeah. And I know you got some volunteers to help you out, but Mm -hmm when you have 3,500 vaccinations, like that's putting a dent and helping end a pandemic in your area. Oh, without a doubt. The, you know, we just even getting a thousand doses, like the, the first thousand doses that we, we got, I mean, Woodstock is 6,000 people deep, you know? So Mm -hmm. we took a big chunk out of even just our local community with that. And then with 3000, forget about it. And we were able to take care of a lot of problems and we've covered it uh, in depth in our podcast too. So like, you know, you don't want to bore anybody who's heard it already before, but (laughs) it's really, it's really, really great that we, we got this opportunity. And one of the things I've been saying for the past 15 years and long before that, because I've been independent pharmacy my whole life is that independent pharmacies can really drive the future of pharmacy practice. And unfortunately due to the broken reimbursement model and the economic model, most of us are fearful of closures and such. And, and people will grow. There's people that have grown up in communities without independent pharmacies and haven't seen the potential of what community pharmacy care can really be. And, my message to everybody who's gotten a vaccine from us is like, imagine if we were strengthened and, su- and, and supported more often, you know, imagine yeah. what we could do next, you know? Yeah. And with some of those reimbursement issues, obviously you had to get volunteers because you couldn't afford to ramp up the staffing to just hire everybody on the spot and get them That's all right. trained. Mm-hmm. What did you do to get the volunteers? So, and that brings up a really good point because we are getting reimbursed for this, right? Yeah. And so uh, that's that's been a hard thing for me to wrap my head, head around. And so I see it as two separate functions. I see it as the provision of vaccines to end the pandemic and help people get some, um, I guess like, autonomy or or agency. So people in the community feel like they're helping end this. And without the volunteers, we could not have moved those units. We could not have even gotten those doses because I wouldn't be confident enough to get rid of them. And so they're helping us facilitate the end of this quickly. Um, uh, You know, slow and steady would win the race. Otherwise, I'm just a small independent. I do a couple hundred doses. I could do, you know, I was doing by myself a hundred doses in a two hour period. So we were doing the bigger clinics and, you know, with a couple of volunteers and stuff. But so I believe that volunteers are the key. So the volunteers though have nothing to do with any of our uh, billing processes. They help with intake, but they have nothing to do with anything that would involve reimbursement. So we make sure that like any of the data entry or or any of that stuff is outside of their hands. So it's really just the provision of the vaccine, making sure this person can get it and helping them through the process. And so we got those volunteers because essentially when the first doses came, I'm like, Oh crap, how the heck am I going to (laughs) deliver? So I reached out to my family. I had aunts and uncles and my father and mother-in-law. And I had people that I knew that would have my back, uh, help me out in those first clinics. And then we started to do, you know, that was the first one. And then I had some of my friends come and, you know, I know these people, I could trust them that if things went, you know, belly up, they would, you know, grind and help me get the work done. Right. And, and 
the work that we did in those first early days addressing some of these inequities then became inspirational. And then, you know, doing the right thing became as infectious as COVID, right? So people wanted <laughs> to do the right thing and, and they wanted to help and they wanted to be a part of it. And now we have 180 people on our volunteer list right now. Wow. Yeah. And it's like 40 healthcare practitioners. And so there's all these people that can do this. And so, yeah, if we got another 3000 doses, that wouldn't take me three days. That would take me one day. Oh man. That's, that's a big number. If you did 3000 a day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have actually been kind of uh, barking a little bit because New York state is uh, delivering vaccine at the fairgrounds. So that's what their yeah. new strategy is. So they're doing 2000 a day at the fairgrounds. And what I've said is great for lots of different areas, but Ulster County between the local health department and us, we could be doing those 2000 on top of our allocations every single day. And we have this great location that's set, that doesn't impact traffic like the fairgrounds would. And so we could solve the problem here. And I feel like the, the, the carte blanche approach, uh, you know, uh, doesn't really work, but yeah, I mean, Again, I was talking smack. I'm like, could I do 60 an hour, right? And then I'm like, you know what? If I can do 60 an hour, all I have to do is uh, like scale it up, and I could probably do like 170 an hour. That's 10,000 a week. We could do that, right? And and then I'm like, you know what? We could probably do 3,000 a day. <laughs> it's it's really just about about having enough people, which you know we don't you don't need a ton of people to do that, but it's really about the space and the parking. That becomes the rate limiting step when you, it comes to some of these bigger numbers. You know, I think the key you hit on there is without getting too much in the weeds that the private incentive, like you were incentivized, but also, you know, being a local operation who lives, works and breathes the community, you also had the care factor. Oh, so no, no, no. while you are getting reimbursed about by it, it does matter that you really cared and were for lack of a better term, loving enough to make sure that you're like, let's get this out now to help end this. And oh, yeah, that's, that's just so huge that we're not seeing with some of the other people who are, who are vaccinating or giving these. And we're seeing it like very kind of broken with the way that the rollouts happened so far. But when I see people like you or even my Amin, who's given out just tons of doses yeah. down in the Philadelphia area, you guys are really crushing it. And yeah, but just crazy Vish, numbers. He's vicious destroying it. Yeah. So there's uh, it's, it's really important to say that, that, you know, we care, we want this to be over. Like, as you've seen through my Facebook posting and my like Instagram stuff, literally everything I can do to try to solve the problem I am trying. And I just keep getting more and more motivated to do that. And for clarity, when it comes to the reimbursement, because, you know, people have said, oh, well, you're making all this money on the backs of volunteers. Well, even with all this extra effort and the money that would be coming in, if the reimbursement doesn't change, which it will, of course, that will help us get out of debt that's happened because of COVID, you know, yeah. like uh, I just really see it as a, a PPP three for me is really what it is, <laughs> is like, it's going to help. And, and of course, every year pharmacists are getting their teeth kicked in. I mean, this past year was $130,000 reduction in gross profit for the same prescription volume the year before. And Oof. the year before that there was 160,000. So, I mean, let's be honest here about who's really making money about this whole thing. Right. So, so yeah, I, I believe that, um, you know, we've proven that, uh, you know, our intentions are pure. While yes, there's a financial incentive. The only thing it's going to do is give me a peace of mind where I don't have to go into my next five year plan post COVID uh, in this massive amount of debt. Right. Well, and the other thing you had shared with me previously to us even discussing this podcast was 
that the PBMs are kind of changing some of the reimbursement model with some of this. Can you elaborate on like what you're seeing for reimbursement, yeah. especially in New York there versus some other areas? Yeah, I mean, we got a note like a week into vaccinating that the reimbursement on some of the PBMs were going to go down by 20 to 30%. So you have your Medicare allowable, which is around 18 bucks in our neck of the woods for the first dose. And they were saying, well, we'll pay you 13, 12 you know, something like that. And, and that's just what it's, it's, it's madness to me that pharmacists have allowed this to happen. Like one, why are we getting paid based on what a drug costs? And two, why isn't there a single reimbursement rate? Right? Like I get that there's regional differences, right? There's going to be supply chain costs and such, but we should be really looking at a cost plus model for our, and, and like, it should be a flat kind of service fee uh, because the, the services that we're offering are, I I just think there's a better way than tying it to the cost of drugs and then having these corporate monsters taking the money from the providers and just increasing their coffers. When at the end of the day, they're just a database. They're just a a freaking Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. You know? And it's crazy too, because, you know, okay, so you're in more of a rural area of New York. I'm more of an urban area of Ohio, but I bet you our cost of living isn't that far apart. And the fact that like, if I was giving it, I would be getting more money than you would right. for providing the same service to help end the same pandemic that's going yeah. across the same country right. through, to the same people, the same demographics, at least by, based on age for Medicare and right. you know disability. Like, why is that even happening? Why are the PBMs taking any cut of it? And I'm right. not trying to, I have no problem with the place making money, but yeah. when it's a pandemic, it should be put all to the front lines, in my opinion, so that yeah. they can have the means to help end it. Because if they don't have the means, it isn't going to end. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's stuff to be said about, uh, you know, I, I say something very similar. So first I'll say to my patients, why is your simvastatin five bucks and his is 13, right? That's a dumb thing in this country. And, mm-hmm. and this, the, the second thing is like, you know, there should be an incentive, right? There should be some people will move faster for finances in this country, right? So we have to figure <laughs> yes. out how, how to make people incentivized to actually want to do more. And then, you know, you hope, you, you know, we, we talk about, we want our president to be a business person because then it won't be run like a, you know, it'll be run like a business. But what we don't want is like it to be run like an American business, which is, you know, suck all the profits out, <laughs> low wages. We don't care about our people. That's not what we want. We want the guys that are like my buddy, Rich. He owns a big successful business and he cares, right? And he, you know, he'll proudly display his his team red shirt, you know, uh, on the political spectrum. But he is a caring dude that wants to pay his people a good wage and and is charitable and gracious. And and he's like, I got it. I can make money, but then we can also give back. And that's what we want when we talk about, you know, this idea of like running life like a business, right? Yeah. We want the, the person with the good judgment, you know, that, that wants to do the good work, but also wants to do the right thing. Almost like a moral compass in there of, Hey, we're going to pay you to do the right thing, but we need to incentivize you to do the right thing too. That's right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and again, like, I think it's very smart that they incentivize the second dose. They say first dose is 18 bucks. Second dose is 30 bucks, because then that pushes me to say, I need to get second doses done, you know, (laughs) you know, and like, and that's good. That, that means that we're going to complete the series instead of being like, Oh, whatever you missed it. Who cares? Right. Yeah. It doesn't let you half-ass it really. They really pay you the back end. Right, right, right. One other thing I thought of, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I was thinking maybe the people who are have a higher rate of acceptance by you because you mm-hmm. guys are in New York and saw what happened to the city. Yeah. Do you think you have a higher acceptance rate because of that, even though you are in relatively rural America? I don't know. It, you know, acceptance rates is always a hard thing for me 
to deal with because, you know, I live most of my life in, in bullshit land, you know, like I'm, I'm in fairytale land with supplements and wellness and everybody's like making up nonsense and especially around vaccines. And I was just said on my podcast recently, like one of the favorite, my most favorite things is when somebody says you're a shill for big pharma, you're not really holistic. You're just promoting vaccines and that's not holistic. And, and that, that is my favorite thing to hear, you know, because again, like acceptance rate for me for this, it's, I don't fight like every year you'll see my blog posts about flu shots and how people should get them. And like, we have to identify what's real and what's not with COVID vaccines. I was about to write that. And I said, you know, it's more important for me to just get it in the arms of people that want it. And everybody else really just like take a, just walk into the ocean, you know, just walk and just keep walking because whatever you want to do, you know? So our acceptance rate, I believe will probably be around the same as everywhere else. And I do know that there is an infectious nature a viral nature to the vaccinations. I know there's a lot of people that were sitting on the fence, but then they saw people getting it and how easy it could be and how it was painless and the side effects weren't bad. And then, then it was kind of game over. A lot of people jumped on the bandwagon. So it's ironic that there's a virality of acceptance mm-hmm. when it comes to tr- treating a virus. I just mm-hmm. can't get over that part, but I yeah. think you hit it on the head because yeah. I've seen that in my neighborhood too, where I had a few people come in who are older and I'm like, Hey, make sure you go tell everyone that you got it and how you felt and how you feel safer. If you think it works based on what you read or why you made that decision. And so many of those people, then people they know are coming in saying, well, I know this person got it. They were fine. I'm like, yeah. yes, thank you for keeping the message alive for us. And yes. now we're driving more people to the front door. That's what That's you're right. seeing too. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, everything's viral in nature is what my infectious disease professor said in pharmacy school. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Getting back to the PBMs for a second. I know that I kind of heard some rumors of this. Have you seen any audits from the PBMs yet? Because I have heard those are going around. Yeah, I mean, there's dudes posting on our Facebook group that are like, you know, we build one to this plan and the next day we got an audit to determine if it was real. I mean, that's something that you should wipe your butt with and then mail back to them. That's kind of how I feel like it should be handled. Are you kidding me? Is this a real legitimate prescription? Of course it is, (laughs) you know, and why would that be audited? Come on. Yeah. There should be no question. It should be like, Hey, the more you get, the better. In fact, we'll incentivize you to get more. If you get a hundred, we'll pay an extra dollar or something like that. The entire economy has been collapsed because of this. Like we, like who cares? Like, and, and again, this, so here's a great example. So the state is going to the fairgrounds and then they're administering the vaccine. What's the cost per vaccine for that? Right. So how much are they spending? How much does it cost my county to do it? Now, my county is using uh, uh, their own internal resources and volunteers, too, but they're going to have to start paying a certain amount. So what is the cost per vaccine? And would it be a little bit more expensive or would it be cheaper to just utilize me and my private business to get it done, especially because we have the ability to do it? Right. So let's be honest about what our actual costs are for this stuff. So, yeah, because a lot of the uh, the sunk costs that you already have in there, like coolers and space or whatever, they're having to add or find or pay for. And yeah, it kind of makes sense. So uh, since you're, I'm going to kind of dub you an expert on the rollout because anyone who can do 3000 shots in three days, two days, one day, I'm going to just call you an expert on it because we're seeing nobody put up numbers like that for the most part. If you could change one thing about the rollout, what would you change? So communication is number one, and that's what we've invested the most of our time in doing is making sure that all of the patients know that on Monday at two o'clock, you will know if we have doses or if we don't. 
And so when it comes time for us to go for our pre-booking, we book on Monday and on Friday, we'll actually start to see some movement or some activity. It would just be nice to say, hey, we've started the pre-booking activities, be on the lookout. And then, hey, we've finished. If you didn't get doses, try again next week, right? That would be yeah. wonderful if that was the communication. Um, I just think that that's an important thing. I think that one of the problems with the rollout you know, everybody's talking crap, right? Everybody says, I'm worried about people of color. I'm worried about uh, access issues. I'm worried about all these inequities, right? But then they're giving doses to just make the map look more full. So they'll give a hundred doses to, you know, again, Walgreens or like a shop, right? And it's fine. I don't want to uh, monopolize the doses, but if you're trying to say that we're trying to make access issues better for people, giving them to a chain pharmacy in this example that says you have to first sign up with our system, agree to our marketing and use a computer to even get considered for a dose. That's not a way to address any of the inequities in the system. I, I mean, I just got contacted by a group. They have 450 seniors in this county and none of them have a computer, right? None of them do. And so and none of them gotten a, a spot yet. I think maybe 20 out of the 450 have gotten a, a spot. So who's solving that problem? And it's me. Like, I'm going to say, okay, as soon as I get a cash, we got all your people in here. We're going to take care of those folks. And so, so from my perspective, from a rollout perspective, communicate better and then like, Let's be real about uh, and not pay lip service to these inequity problems. You know, I'm going to take a step back here and say that the communication thing is huge, and especially with the, the lower income or less educated or people who just don't have access to the internet has yeah. been a huge thing where I work because there's so many low income people and the people who are older because they also aren't that educated. Many of them come from kind of the more rural parts of Puerto Rico and things like that. Yeah. They have no internet access. And at first, I, I think if I remember correctly, a lot of the stuff was only in English. And then if they did get it, they couldn't read it. And I was like, oh, yeah. crap. And they still come in every day. And I'm trying to do what I can to give it to them. We're making lists that just as for like the people in our zip code to really try and help them as much as possible or people yeah. who would affect our store who could get there quick if we need to just get rid of a dose. And it's really a huge struggle point. In fact, I got a fax the other day from, and I don't know, it was clearly spammed a lot of places. And it was a mom and dad who sent out a fax to as many places that like, that I guess they had fax numbers for that said, Hey, I'm 43 and not eligible. My wife's 42 and not eligible, but we have a type one daughter and we're scared for her health. If you can put us on a list, can you help us with that? And I was like, you know what, I, as a newer dad myself, I just picked up the phone and called him. I'm like, Hey, Here's what I would do if I were you. I probably spent way too much time talking to this guy. Right. I think I was on the phone with him for like 10 or 15 minutes, but it was one of those things that you see that that's even somebody who's capable, but just because of like his situation, he's a little scared. You know, he kind of like fell through the cracks of like all these eligibility and was really worried about it and didn't have any good answers. So I gave right. him all the answers I could, right. which a lot of them were like, you know, Hey, maybe just, you know, do what you can look here, look there, right. but also don't be afraid to uh, call out your, state senator, state congressman, whoever it is that, Hey, you know, here's my situation. And I kind of yeah. fell through the cracks on this. What can you do to help us? Right. But you know, the thing is also like, it's all the same question. Everybody's in the same boat. And one of the things I've been trying to say to folks over and over again, is that you're going to get a dose. Like it's very yeah. proven that, uh, or I guess very, uh, I'm very confident that you will have a dose by May you know, everybody. Yeah. So it's really just about being patient as well. And all again, 
the South Park episode just nailed that. Everybody's saying the same exact crap. They just want, they want to, you know, give you their long list of credentials to get the dose. And there are so many people that are deserving of the dose. And, you know, if this was equitable, what would have happened would have been 75 and older. It would have been National Guard and it would have just been like come to the high school if you're this age and, you know, at this time, and, and it would have just been handled on a national scale. So that this fragmented rollout, while yes, we can profit from it and it's, it's good for us because then we can also push in our communities. It shouldn't even have had to have been this way. You know, I believe the military should be, this is a perfect example of a great use of our military. Like they yeah. have the infrastructure, they have the ability. This would be something that we could look to them and be proud of, you know, and I think it would just be really unifying, you know, and, it, you know, so that's, that's my personal opinion, but. Yeah. And the other thing about it is, it's just, it's kind of, we're starting to view this more as this vaccine is kind of a right is the way we're seeing it. Yeah. A lot of and entitled so, nonsense going on out here, Bob. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, we've all experienced that in pharmacy, Yeah. especially with this. But I think that just as general, the government is viewing this as, you know, with what we've seen Biden say about the May end of May, uh, everyone's going to, we're going to have enough doses for everybody, but we're really seeing like, this is a right. Everyone kind of calm down. We're going to get it to you, which right. is a complete shift from any other thing we've I've ever seen or heard of when it comes to healthcare. Is that kind of what the way you're seeing it too? Uh, absolutely. I think that, uh, I, I, I mean, there's really not much that I could say more. It's just absolutely 100%. Gotcha. Um, a couple of other questions I want to get to before I let you go here. Uh, what are some words that you would want to share with people on the front lines who are given vaccines out there? So I, well, the, the reason that I wanted to come on is because, uh, you know, with supplement school, we have the, the online training and stuff like that. So I developed a free course that talks about my infrastructure, my ideas, things that have happened. I I've been talking about on my podcast, the bigger clinics and some things that came up and some innovation. So, you know, listen to my stuff. The it's drneilsmoller.com slash courses. You can sign up and you can get all my training. So if you're on the front line, giving vaccines, I don't know, like the first piece of advice is like, be way more patient than I am. Cause I've, I've got a, like a whole bag of don't give a F right now. And like, if, if there's people complaining, I, 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 I will pick like one or one to five people every week and just go up one side and down the other uh, on them. But most of the time I'm just like, not even listening. It is very difficult to be on the front line right now. COVID was tough enough. Our workload increased dramatically. Our reimbursements didn't rise to meet that. My front end sales like took a huge hit because of tourist traffic. So I'm in this miserable place where I haven't had more than four days off in, in a year. And then now we're pushing through with this intense uh, situation and the customer service nightmare that just unfolds and having to handle the calls and the, the panic and the anxiety and the anger Anger, it's tough. So like figure out your stress relief of choice and get into it because it is really, really rough out there. And I think like if you are an owner or if you're uh, any participant in this, the best thing you can do is communicate as clearly as possible. So even if you work for a chain, write up a little frequently asked question sheet to hand to people and that'll take away freaking a million hours of your time. Right. And, you know, one of the things I've been saying is that there are a lot of groups of people, right? So I work for this organization. I have this restaurant, I have this senior residence and, and my advice to help spread the workload out and deal with the timing issue that happens. Because again, we learn on Friday, we've got doses, we, they have to be gone starting Wednesday. Right. So that's a very short time to start kickstart the engine. 
have those organizations maintain a list, a census, a full census of who, everybody that's in their charge and mark, I want the dose. I don't want the dose and I've gotten the dose and tell them to keep that accurate and keep contact information there. That way it's one person contacting one group leader. And then the group leader makes all of the phone calls and, and it gets handled and it's not go fish, you know? Yeah. And so that's the best piece of advice that I think I can give right now, because there's a lot of folks that are like, what can I do? You know, there's a lot of free time going on right now in between doses. So do that while you have the time. So that way, if the opportunity arises, you can jump on it. That's a, that's a great idea. And I think that's something that's easy to implement no matter where you work or who you work for. That right. is a huge win and a lot less phone calls. Hopefully. For sure. And I got one more, which I think we learned at one of our big clinics, I think is awesome. Handicap folks. If you're in a, you got canes, crutches, wheelchairs, walkers, rollators, all of that stuff, you're in and out. You're first. Like, I don't care about everybody's nonsense. Oh, I was first. Who cares? They, their parking is really what we want. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's just that the parking spots are few and far between. So if they have to wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, that means another person with handicap can't get in and they have to walk. So literally first in first out, right? So, uh, is what you would normally do with these folks. As soon as they hit the door, they're out. Right. So, and, um, that's a really great thing. That's helped our clinics a ton. That's one of the little nuanced things that I think makes a big difference and just shows how much you've really dove into this. So oh my God. Well, I got one more for you. If you ever decide to do big, big days, uh, yeah, just your list, your scheduled list, just throw it out. You might as well just throw it out because like, <laughs> nobody's going to show up, you know, like I've had, uh, this in that three day period, which I've never had before. I had 300 cancellations total, like no shows, like didn't yeah. even cancel. Like I'm just not coming. And so then what do I do with those doses? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what a nightmare. And, uh, I, I shared, you know, one of my big brain moments was to say, listen, let's reach out to all the different business owners in Woodstock and say, uh, the restaurant owners and send your restaurant staff over to use up those wasted doses. Cause we only had like 45 minutes and we were able to kill two birds with one stone, get rid of the doses, but then also solve the restaurant problem. So think about it like that. So if you make contact now with all of the different groups in, in your world, then you have a list of all the point people. And then you can start chipping away at that as you get allocations or if the opportunity arises. So, and, and that's why I thought you were really influential with this was, you know, you saw the hurdle and you deal with the hurdle the same way I do. So every once in a while you kind of lose your mind, yeah. but you're able to be like, you know what? I need to make an opportunity. How can I make this mutually beneficial? And that's where like the restaurant, the business contact that you've been doing has been yeah. huge yeah. because then people can go eat safely at a restaurant. And those people are also protected in case somebody isn't wearing the mask. Right. And I'm, I've been getting texts uh, all week. People that own businesses are like all the old ladies that are now two doses in all the old aging hippies. <laughs> they're, they're out shopping. And then somebody just said, Hey, I'm at this restaurant in town and there's a bunch of vaccinated people in here eating lunch that weren't here. And like, so to hear that, it makes me feel really, really good, you know? Yeah. And, you know, even if the pharmacy business, like you said, is kind of getting kicked in the teeth a little bit here, some of the stuff, at least, and I swear, I, I swear about this, at least you have built up that karma within the community right. that they're going to be willing to fight for you because you help them keep their business. Too, That's right. So. Yeah. I agree with that. They're, they're definitely uh, coming out in droves to support us. The, the goodwill we built has been great. All right. So last one, what are you most thankful for right now? So the thing I'm most thankful for is the opportunity here and the trust, you know, um, it, it takes a long time to build a reputation, of course, not too long to, to eradicate one. But yeah. I mean, I this is my 15th year owning a practice uh, in this community. And for me, COVID vaccine delivery is full circle. 
Uh, I'm sure you've seen like the people that are I'm helping are the people that were customers at the independent when I was 14 and decided I want to be a, a pharmacist. The the people that are helping me and supporting me get this done are the people that, you know, when I was a kid were like starting their jobs as a policeman or like we're getting into politics in the town. So and all of the lessons that I learned in high school and all of the things I wanted to be as a pharmacist, all of that stuff is it's just coming full circle. So every, everything's here. So this is like really for me, it's it's the most professionally fulfilling moment. So I'm really just thankful that I have it. And I've been able to finally scratch that itch. That's really been like incessantly digging at me for my career. The, the way I look at this for someone like you is you were kind of like that amateur boxer who was always, you know, in the ring, putting the time in and never had a shot. Yeah. Kind of like Rocky Balboa. You got your shot and <laughs> Apollo Creed's like the coronavirus in your town. And you're very just- nice. You know, it's it's a battle and it's it's hella stressful on you, but you're you're taking your shots and getting them in to really try and end this, which I, I think is winner. Obviously, I hope you win, but win or lose, you're yeah. you're going down swinging. I really like that. I appreciate it, and I will not be playing Eye of the Tiger at any point. Again, <laughs> any of this. You know, I think that if you got the last dose in your town, you could probably play Eye of the Tiger. I probably play. could. I mean, we've we've done some <laughs> silly stuff with music and and and, but yeah, but that's only because the musicians are there and they are the ones that are you know allowing <laughs> us to do it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, Dr. Neil, thanks for coming on the podcast again. And listeners, as always, please take some of these things to heart. I'm going to put a lot of the links to this stuff that Neil talked about in the show notes so that you can have a tool. I'm going to try and get this around quick. I'm going to barely edit it just so I can get it out so quick. But uh, I want to make sure everyone takes some time to do that. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Neil. No problem. As always, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.